This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Kate Tempest has published six poetry collections, written two books, staged three plays, and is now out with their fourth studio album. It's called The Line is a Curve. Joyful, beneath the stifled resentments and microaggressions, all part of the fabric, the tension woven so tight it defies its dimension. The see but don't feel, the know but don't mention. The album was executive produced by Rick Rubin. He helped popularize hip-hop by producing for Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, Run DMC, and many more. He reached out to Tempest a few years ago after seeing them perform. They've worked together ever since, which Tempest says has been huge. The only other studios I've ever worked in have been in friends, like, bedrooms. <laughs> Up until the point when, when I got this call from Rick, like, I felt really overwhelmed by the whole experience. You know, I've been dreaming all my life of the kind of music that that he makes, that he's been there to, to like, facilitate the making of. This stuff is legendary. With the help of Ruben, Tempest's last record was recorded in one vocal take. For this album, they decided to record the vocals in three full and separate takes. For each take, they had a small audience made up of someone or a handful of people from a different generation. When it came time to do this album, I just wanted to build on that. I thought, again, yeah, I want to do it as a live pass, so I memorized the text. I want to be in real time going through that lyric in the same moment that the audience member or the listener is receiving it. You know, we're both going at the same pace in real time through the record because my dream is that people will take the record in one sitting the way that I recorded it. Anyway, then I kind of took it a step further, like... I want to be talking to someone. I want this to be a connective. This album is looking for people. I want it to welcome people in. So I just had this vision of being like me and one person, the other side of the mic in the booth. I just thought, oh, I could just feel this intensity. I thought I need, I want an audience of one. Like, And then it went even further. I thought, well, maybe it could be three different generations because what would happen to the lyric? What would happen to the dynamic in the language? What would happen to the meaning of the words? You know, we're social beings. I respond to you. My body responds. My my like gestures respond like I can't help but be responsive to the person that I'm talking to. That's just how we're that's how we're made, and that's not something that I can consciously control. There's just things that will happen to the way that I speak, you know. Like, and I just I wanted to experiment that way, so that's what we did. We had a a man of seventy eight person of my generation. I think she was twenty nine or thirty at the time of doing it. A poet and somebody that was the one I knew. She's from my neighborhood. And then three um, young people, 12, 15, and 16. And yeah, every different take, every different experience of doing that, the language was different, for sure. The words took on different meaning. With the older guy, I was maybe more deferential. With the kids, with the young people, I think I was, you know, I was more aware I was trying to take care of them. I, I was hoping that I wasn't overwhelming them, I was hoping they were okay. And all this will have some impedance on the language or some acceleration in the text, something will happen. And so the take that we ended up going with was the one to my generation, the person I suppose I had most um, commonality with culturally. What would you say are the main themes on this record? Survival, resilience, acceptance, surrender, um, love. So this is the first album you've put out since coming out as trans non-binary. And I'm curious if coming out has impacted the way you write music or perform when you can be just more open and more authentically yourself. I think it's had a huge impact on my life and that will obviously find its way into the work that I make. 
this album was written, it's not quite as clean cut as it might appear from the outside looking in. It's not like you do, I personally don't make one record and then another and then another. The way I work is often on five or six projects at the same time. I might work for a week on one thing, then I have to go away for six months and do something else, then I come back to it. So this album started its life actually like many years ago and was finished over the lockdown period, but it's not quite an album that's dealing explicitly with um, with kind of trans issues. So I wouldn't want to position it that way because I, I think that there's much more important work being made on that subject. And this I wouldn't put this alongside them because this is more, it's all those things are in all of my work. I have been, I was born this way and I've been dealing with this all my life and I'm on a journey and I feel much closer to myself for sure. Like you say, I feel such relief that I'm able at last to articulate publicly something that has been extremely difficult for me in my life. But this album, I wouldn't say is dealing explicitly with that journey, although that journey is in everything that I make because it's my life. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm just also just thinking about just the, the the public presentation part of it, you know, being a performer, being performing music is very different than writing poetry, per se. And I was reading a recent article that you did with The Guardian, where you were talking about when you're on stage, you didn't necessarily feel like you need to pass as any gender when you had, you know, the lyrics behind you. Like, I think you said something along the lines of it was like, you left your body and became an artist when you're able to use lyrics. Tell me more about that feeling and if that feeling has shifted over time. I think what I was talking about in in that interview at that moment was my early experiences of lyricism and why it was so important for me to have discovered musicality, lyricism, because I was full of shame. I had dysphoria, I had depression, I had ADHD, whatever. Like I, I was going through some stuff at that time and finally having music, it gave me an escape. And it also, yes, like I said, gave me a pass. It enabled me to exist in a room without having to be interrogated for what I was or why I was there. Or, and I didn't have to feel like a total failure either as you know a girl or a boy because I was neither and both. I could just be a lyricist and respected on those grounds. And that was addictive and exhilarating and refreshing and powerful. But that was kind of of that time. I was talking in that interview about my kind of adolescence into my early adulthood. I'm 36 years old now, so I feel slightly differently about it. Also, I'm 20 years into my creative life and hopefully still at the beginning of it. My creativity is, has been my life force, yeah, that's... It's so much a part of what my life's been about and how I've lived it and how I've constructed my life. So it's slightly different now. It's not so much that my musicality is my past anymore. You know, sometimes I pass as males, other times I don't. <clears throat> Mostly people I just don't know what don't know what to do with me, don't know what to make of me. And that it's it's a strange existence. You're kind of you're outside. But um, I've always been an outsider and I think that actually being on the outside is what encourages writers to look so intently at people because uh, if, if we had been accepted all our lives long, I don't think we would have the same interest in like what's happening over there. Like what, how do those people work? Like what is that? You know, what are human beings? That I, I don't really feel that I'm a part of it because I'm not really allowed in. But actually it gives me a sense of wonder and interest and I want to be closer to these people and so that I think that's what's driven me so hard to create character and to study um, interaction and dialogue and you know these kind of things. 
So you were also quoted in that Guardian article saying, quote, this whole album and this process and me coming out is me squaring myself with the idea of what being a musician is. And I'm curious, what do you think the idea of being a musician is? Well, what I was talking about is in relation to the other strands of my creativity. So, for example, as a playwright, you would never put a picture of yourself on the Playtex cover. Like You just wouldn't do that. You're writing a play and it's very clear and obvious that you will get out of the way. You've facilitated a story being told, but it's you don't have to be there to tell the story. You've done your bit. The same with the novel, the same with the book of poems. Like The work stands on its own. But for music, you make an album. It's different. For the most part, it's you. It's you. You're you're saying, here's a window into my soul, my heart, my experience. And what I was talking about in that excerpt of that interview was understanding that the role is different. And actually, rather than being afraid of it, just accepting it and trying to, trying to get my head around how to welcome people into my work um, in a way that feels um, healthy or something. I've been speaking with Kay Tempest about their latest album, The Line is a Curve. They are already working on new music, a novel, and have almost finished a new book of poetry. Let's push more flow, please. Let me let go. Get it all out of you, let it surprise you. I was in a party, face mostly eyeballs. Chin deep in a bag of white lies, saying I'm sick and tired of my own advice. I see it now. So perfect, but so hard to put into practice. One step forwards, two steps backwards. One soul's epiphanies, another soul's madness. I saw the truth in the curls of the vanishing girl. Hands like cobwebs dangling. Eyes like deep sea dive. She said, stop worrying, man. Stop panicking. Calmer, clearer, closer, nearer. More grounded, more rooted, less convoluted. That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.